In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's one of the formative things that I got to do for a time in my life was working as a hospital chaplain. That's something that most seminaries and ordination processes require that you spend a summer doing it, and it was such a challenging and a life-giving and incredible experience. I actually chose to do it for a whole year uh, in addition. I went to New York City, was at a hospital in Brooklyn, and um, that place now is really on my heart, as I know they're on the front lines. And we need to pray for all the healthcare givers and all the patients, especially um, who are dealing with, with what they're dealing with there. But one of the experiences out of many, many incredible experiences that I want to share today um, was one night when I was called to the hospital room of a man who um, was in a tough situation. I didn't know what I'd be walking into, but when I arrived, I saw him in his bed and I saw his family all surrounding him. Uh, they, they were around him and they looked up at me and uh, shared with me what was happening, which was that he was totally unresponsive. And they asked if we could pray, and so we did. We held hands, we surrounded him with love and with our words. And just as the prayer was coming to an end, I opened my eyes and I looked around and there was a woman, one of the family members, who was looking with her eyes wide open and she yelled out, did you see that? He just moved. They hadn't seen him give any response at all. He'd been as if he was dead, except still with heartbeat, still breathing, but otherwise completely unresponsive. And they saw him move and what was actually happening was his little toe had moved just the tiniest little bit. And seeing that tiny little motion was cause for celebration and joy. And so one of the family members then said to him, spoke to him and said, if you can hear us, move your toe twice and we'll know that you're hearing us right now. And we all looked at his foot and we saw the sheets move twice. And we knew that he was waking up. And the next time I saw that man was a, a few nights later and I was doing the rounds at night and I saw his name on my list of people to visit. And I went to his room and you know, he was sitting up on the edge of his bed and we sat next to each other on his bed and we talked and we shared prayers that evening. This is the closest experience that I've ever had to a Lazarus story. What we heard this morning about um, the experience that Jesus had when he came and found Lazarus who had fallen asleep, who had died, um, and who was completely dead. It was four days after, um, which in Jewish tradition means you're really dead if it's been four days. And the details show that um, there was no question. And Lazarus also was given the gift of life again. And I think about that experience too right now as those little things, those tiny little gestures, those small things that we're now having to do without are becoming so much more meaningful. I don't know about you, but I am dearly missing the time when we can hug each other again, when we can shake hands, when we can be with each other in person breaking bread. There's no substitute for it. When we can gather in church and sing music together, when we can share Eucharist together. 
And people ask each other the question now. It's the natural thing to ask when you see somebody. You haven't seen them in a while. You say, how are you doing? And I'm finding that that question is a really difficult question to answer. Um, you want to say you're doing okay, but then you think about it, and there's so much more to the story. What I'm finding is that in addition to the sorrow and the loss and the grieving, uh, the missing of certain things, I'm also being surprised by joy in the midst of other things. Those things that we've had to give up, we've had to give up, but then there are these other things that we can still do, and I'm appreciating those things. Just kind of like how life is made up of these unremarkable things that then create life which is remarkable, like breath. How often do you take that for granted, and yet breath is the foundation of us being alive? We're talking a lot right now about ventilators, ventilators which are machines that give the capacity for people who need it to breathe. What if we were able to fully appreciate the gift of every single breath that we took? Our minds and our hearts would be exploding every minute of every day. So this story isn't about a binary where there's life or death, but there's life in the midst of death which I think is part of the gift of this moment, that we're living in that way. And life in the midst of death actually becomes life that is even more fully life. And that's the mysterious thing that Jesus brings, which is resurrection life. It's not life that you can be quantified or stored up or added up. It's not about a quantity, but a quality. Really being alive. And that's the life that I believe we are being offered to receive. And so you could look at this as the efficacy of prayer, or perhaps it's the efficacy of love, or both at the same time, really. That man, even though he was totally unconscious, felt something, experienced something, surrounded by the people who loved him the most that evening. And look at that interesting detail of what happens in the Gospel story when the sisters of Lazarus share with Jesus what is going on, they don't use Lazarus's name. It's a fascinating detail. They don't call him Lazarus and tell Jesus about their brother. They say, the one you love is dead. And by being called that, Jesus knows who they're referring to. They give Lazarus a new name, which is his correct name, which is our correct name, which is beloved. And I believe that's how we unlock the resurrection life, when we know our true name. And when we call each other by each other's true name, in the eyes of us as well as in the eyes of God, which is, of course, beloved. Amen.